Music can energize us, make us move our bodies, and do all kinds of things to us in our waking life, but we don't always have to be conscious to enjoy it. In this episode, we talk to a tech journalist and musician who knows the best songs to bring on a blissful night's sleep. Again, everybody, you are listening to Select Five, a podcast where you get to know interesting folks from the Bay Area and beyond through a conversation about five songs that matter to them. I'm your host, Pam Torno, and today I have the privilege of speaking with someone who is as geeky about music as he is about technology. My guest selector today is Michael Calori. Michael is a senior editor at Wired Magazine and a co-host of Wired's weekly Gadget Lab podcast about consumer tech news. When he's not doing tech journalism, Michael has many musical side projects. Uh, He plays bass in a band called Twin Dimensions. He composes ambient music under the name Solar Keys. Uh, Michael is even in an LCD sound system tribute band cleverly called North American Scum. Uh, on top of that, he is a longtime record collector, selector, and reggae music aficionado. Uh, suffice it to say, based on his eclectic interests, we could probably take this conversation in a hundred different directions, but we are here to talk about the music that helps him sleep, and maybe you'll learn something that'll help you sleep well at night too. So Michael, thank you for being on the show. Oh, it's a it's a great honor. Thank you for having <laughs> a me. great honor. Wow. It is. I, I, no one's ever said that to me before. I, I've been listening to this show for a long time. And when you asked, I was like, oh my God, this is going to be amazing. What? Yeah. That's that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good show. It's not that crazy. Uh, okay. Well, so um, I before we actually get to the main topic at hand, I, I know it seems like you have been playing out a lot, playing a lot of gigs. Is that – am I – is that right? Yeah. Um, between the two bands that are active um, – I'm playing about once a month for the last five, six months. That's a lot. And yes, I got COVID playing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> playing music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think this is the year that everyone who didn't get COVID during the lockdowns got COVID. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, uh, people are buying tickets. People are showing up. Um, bookings are picking up. You know, there's like clubs used to be dark four nights a week. Now there's something going on at most clubs almost every night. You know, yeah. maybe not Monday night, but yeah, it's it's starting to really hop here in the Bay Area. Yeah, you had a couple of shows at the rickshaw that I am I, I'm bummed to have missed, um, and I wanted to ask you a little bit more about the genesis of North American Scum because I am fascinated by the idea of a tribute band that pays homage to a band that's basically still around as opposed to like a legacy <laughs> act of the past. So how how did this come to be and how did you find your bandmates? Well, it started, uh, I I was not a founding member of the band. I joined okay. the band maybe like 2016 or so. Um, I know the band started around the time that LCD Sound System announced they were going to stop playing. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So there's this group of people and they're like, we need, let's do some musical project. What are we going to do? Let's do this because this doesn't exist in the world anymore. Um, When LCD Sound System announced they were going to be coming back, uh, we switched and started doing music of other artists. So I joined uh, to be the bassist in the David Bowie set. We did a David Bowie set that we actually like started learning before he died. Oh, yeah. Whoa. It was weird. Yeah. Um, so then, you know, after he died, we ended up playing that a couple of times. Um, and then it just felt a little odd 
so we, you know, to be playing the music of David Bowie, who had just died. So we decided to do something else, and we did Prince. Oh. Uh, and then that was right around the time that Prince also died. Yeah, 2016 was a bad year yeah. for all of the the deaths. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I don't mean to laugh. But yeah, it was, it was sad. But at the same time, it was kind of nice to be able to, you know, come together and do um, one set of David Bowie, go off stage for half an hour, come back and do one set of Prince at the same club with this, with many of the same musicians. You know, we have a few different people who only were in one band or the other band, but for the most part, it was just this big crew of, you know, probably loosely a dozen people. And each band has six or seven or eight or nine people in it. Um, we started doing LCD sound system songs again recently, just before the pandemic. Uh, and then we picked it back up and did it again right after the pandemic. And just this fall, we switched and started doing Talking Heads. Yeah, Talking Heads is exactly what I wanted. I mean, I've seen you perform as LCD Sound System, and when I saw that you were playing at the rickshaw Talking Heads songs, I was like, oh, I got to go to that. <laughs> so you have to tell me that you're going to do that again soon. Yes, I'm sure we will. I'm and sure we will. what are you, was it, was it Remain in Light or was it a bunch of stuff? It was a bunch of stuff. Yeah, we do, uh, you know, a few songs off Remain in Light. We do a few off of uh, Speaking in Tongues, uh, two songs off of Fear of Music, which is, I think. Great. Yeah. Those yeah. those are those are tough because like everybody knows life during wartime. Not everybody knows cities or air or drugs or like all the really great songs on that record. Yeah. Uh, so we were sort of peppering the set with those songs that are maybe not like the bangers. Yeah. You know. Yeah. The deep cuts. Uh, yeah. I I don't know. For some reason, I would think that people who would want to go see a Talking Heads tribute show might know their catalog more deeply, but maybe not. <laughs> it's, maybe not. Yeah. You'd be surprised. <laughs> um, Still, it's fun to do because then, you know, people are, the, the thing that always happens whenever you do something like this is somebody comes up to you at the end of the show and they say, I never realized how many of their songs I knew. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, they have a pretty, I, 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 I feel like I know their catalog pretty well. Yeah. Um, but occasionally like I might hear some, I mean, there's, I think there's more of the side project stuff that I'm not as familiar with. So like, uh, David Byrne's solo stuff that he did with Brian, you know, I have, I mean, I think I have that record, the, my life in the bush of ghosts. Mm, yeah. Um, and you know, I'm starting to really dig into Tom Tom club even more. So just the whole like talking heads universe. I just love. And just anytime I have an opportunity to, to discover anything new or anything, any kind of sign project, it's also, it's awesome. <laughs> Um, but we are here to talk about sleep. Yeah. Um, my first question for you is how, how good of a sleeper are you? Are you, do you get eight hours a night? Would you, would you say you're a good sleeper? Uh, so no and yes. Um, I have habits that disrupt my sleep and I know they do and they're bad habits like staring at my phone too much right before bed, mm -hmm. staring at my phone when I wake up. Mm -hmm. Um, and drinking alcohol. <laughs> that's that's my big sleep disruptor, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. I stopped drinking recently. Just like not completely, but like mostly stopped yeah. drinking. And it was amazing. Like all of a sudden I just sleep like a baby all the time. It's great. Well, I, babies don't really sleep that well. You know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, that's fine. Like a log. Um, uh, yeah. I don't know. What What about you? Are you a good sleeper? N lately, no. Um, I mean, it, it, in my mind, it's not enough. I feel like uh, I, I cannot sleep past six, six and a half hours, mm. which 
um, I mean, I guess depending on what scientific studies you read, it's it's either just fine or it's not enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like I wish I could sleep more, but I feel no matter what I do, like even if I go to bed late, I still get up like six now, you know, six hours later. Um, and I don't, I don't quite know what to do about it. I think I've, I feel like I've been sleeping a little bit better lately. Um, because I also have stopped drinking, like not entirely, but like <laughs> I don't have a drink every day of the week anymore. Right. Like I only drink maybe one drink on the weekends. We're all getting um, there, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's better for your blood pressure and all this stuff. And yep. and I have noticed that I I do feel better and I sleep better when I don't drink. Yeah. But I still feel like it, it's not enough. And I just I I don't and I know what my stressors are too. Um, aside from drinking alcohol, I uh caffeine too late in the day mm-hmm. um work anxiety like um you know a looming deadline or just anything that's that's bothering me at work i would imagine that's probably the same for you too yeah yeah i'm always thinking about what uh, what i have to do tomorrow yeah you know, yeah this is not the time to be doing that this is the time to be not thinking about anything no yes and i you know i feel like this is a good episode for me personally <laughs> because i feel like i need any kind of tricks or tips about how to quiet my own mind yeah. um would be helpful um so when you told me that you listen to music every night at first you know to help you sleep at first i thought it was really weird and then i thought about it a little more and realized it's not that weird at all because lullabies have been a thing since probably the dawn of humankind yeah <laughs> um but it's usually just like babies and children who get sung to sleep and why does that why should that stop in adulthood right so like when did you start when did you start the habit of listening to music when you go to bed um adolescence Oh, for a long time. Yeah, or earlier. So you don't listen to music when you go to sleep? No, never. It's just quiet? It's crazy. But yeah, no, I don't. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I also share a room with my husband. Yeah. So I, I would think that that would be, I mean, it's already disruptive when I read too late. For oh, I see. I would think that like I listening see. to music um, would be the same. But are you, not to get too personal, but you also have a partner. You have someone <laughs> yes. you share a bedroom with. Yes. And we also share musical tastes. Which is for great. For the most part. Uh, she's not so into the death metal uh, as much as I am, but uh, she she also likes to listen to music when when we're falling asleep. Oh, that's yeah. I mean, so you kind of have to have someone who's aligned with you on that. Yeah. I was going to ask, are you listening? Are you listening to them solo on your headphones, or is it just? No, I have a pair of really nice vintage speakers in the bedroom uh, where they're big, so I can turn the volume down very low. Uh, and it creates like a nice sort of cushion of sound in the room. Oh, that sounds lovely. Yeah. So when I was a kid, I fell asleep to the radio all the time. I okay. would just put the radio on. The radio was like my best friend growing up in like suburban Orange County, California. I got San Diego stations and I got LA stations. Um, and I would put headphones on and then listen with headphones on. And then eventually I'd take the headphones off. You know, I'd like kind of wake up enough to get them off of my head. Uh, and and fall back asleep. But as soon as I moved out of the house and went to college, I had a little boom box and it was on the like the bedboard part of my dorm room when I was in college. And I would just put a CD on and turn it way, way down just so I had a little bit of music coming yeah. at me. And yeah, I listened to a lot of like Beethoven and um I had a uh, a classical guitar, uh, Andres Segovia, Andres Segovia classical guitar. Okay. 
CD that yeah. I probably listened to, I don't know, 8,000 times. Yeah. So you've been doing this a long time. Yeah. Um, and I would imagine like your um, your library and your taste have kind of evolved since since your teen years when you first started doing it. So what what would you say are the, for you anyway, what are the main attributes of good sleeping music in terms of like the tone and the style and the frequency and whatever? Well, for me, um, the big thing is that it has to be something that is consistent, right? It can't have too much movement. It can't have a lot of dynamics. So if it's a dynamic piece of music, it's going to grab your attention. Uh, you'll doze off and then something loud will happen and then it'll wake you back up. You know, you might have some of that going on. Uh, so for me, it has to be something that is kind of one thing for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I like long pieces. Uh, like, you know, the, the, um, the challenge for this show is to pick songs that were not like albums because often – you know, an album choice is sleep music for me. Like, I want to listen yeah. to this. Yeah. But there are albums that are one song or two songs. So, um, you know, I tend to like things that are long because that kind of guarantees a little bit more that it's going to be a consistent experience for an hour or whatever. Um, it also has to be something that works at low volume. Because I think, you know, no matter what the music is, if it's too loud, I just, I can't fall asleep. I got to turn it down pretty low, just above. Just kind of imperceptibly, almost imperceptible. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, Like just above that threshold of, of perception for your ears. That makes sense. Um, well, I mean, it seems odd for me to say something like I'm so excited to talk about sleeping, but I, <laughs> I really am, um, and how to do it better and how music can play a role. So, uh, I'd like to get right into it, uh, with your first song, which comes from the master of ambient music, Brian Eno. So I knew Brian Eno was going to make the list, but I didn't know which of his compositions you would choose because he has so many. Uh, so tell me why you picked this one, which is called Reflection. Yeah, this this album came out in January of 2017. Uh, so cast your mind back to January of 2017, what was going on in the world. Uh, oh, the, the election. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, we were sort of tipping towards authoritarianism and we were all really stressed out. And he put out this really amazing ambient project that's an hour. Um, the reason I picked this one is because it's not actually just an hour. Uh, it, Reflection is like a project that Brian Eno did with yeah. his technical collaborators. They made this generative piece of music that can be as long or as short as you want it to be. So the hour-long version of it is just kind of like a sampler of what to expect. But you can download an iPad app. Um, There's a visual element. So there's an app for Apple TV. And then you kind of just let it go. And it just makes music. Um, It will change the flavor of what you're hearing during the day at night, depending on what time of day it is, you'll hear, you know, more active music during the day and more sedate music at night. Um, but it's really, it's, it's really illustrative of everything that I like about all of Brian Eno's ambient projects, which is that it's not 
just atmosphere. There's a lot of really interesting things going on. Um, reflection, really, when I listen to it, it, it makes me think of like Lionel Hampton playing his vibraphone in like a gigantic reverb chamber, you know? <laughs> and then there's these like kind of throbbing bass throughout it as well that yeah. I really like. I, so, yeah, I just like the idea of it being like kind of like this dynamic kind of living thing because mm -hmm. you sent me uh, the the track that's on Spotify, yep. but as you said, it's it's an app as well. Um, so when you're when you listen to it at night, is it the app that you're listening to? Um, I have done that, but since there's like a visual element to the app, it's you know your oh, screen you can't is on, do that. yeah, yeah, and it's a little weird. So you got to like kind of turn your iPad over. But also, I like to play it through the big speakers in the in the bedroom. Um, so yeah, I do listen to the the Spotify version of it a lot. Yeah, the one the one that I sent you, and I think it's it's good for sleeping because it's representative of like the more sedate side of that project. So I. I, I haven't attempted to listen to any of these songs while I'm sleeping, but I did I, I did listen to all the songs. This one I listened on my walk home uh, a couple of nights ago. Uh, my walk home from West Oakland, Bart, and uh, it was after sunset, so it was getting dark. Um, and I think that kind of made the uh, – <laughs> that made it a little ominous to me. Um, <laughs> and So I feel like setting plays a big role because at the time I started to listen to it and it, it – I'm like, this could be the soundtrack to like a, a true crime documentary of my own murder. Um, yeah, it is a little, <laughs> it is a little creepy. It is, it yeah. is. But I mean, I think if I were in my home at, at my comfy bed, I wouldn't have thought that. Um, but that's kind of leads to my question of like, how, how do you define the purpose or the function of ambient music? Because it's not necessarily for sleep, though a lot of people listen to it that way. Right. I think, you know, Brian Eno, um, defined it as furniture in a room. It's very functional. It is. Uh, I like to think of it as atmosphere. I like to think of it as, you know, you're changing sort of, um, it's like if you're looking at your environment through a, a camera viewfinder and you attach a filter. And whether that filter is a neutral density filter, you know, that kind of evens things out and cuts out the glare. Yeah. <laughs> the psychological glare, or if it's something that just makes everything look red or makes everything look sepia-toned or black and white, you know, I think music can do that. And that's, ambient music, I think, does that better than any other genre because it's not really like engaging you intellectually as much as it's engaging you emotionally. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of setting a tone on, in a much more subconscious way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's it's kind of, it's coloring your mood. Yeah. And he's, I feel like Eno has colored my moods um, a lot with a lot of his, one of his, uh, one of my favorites of his is um, uh, Evening Star, which oh, he yeah. did with uh, Robert Fripp. I used to fall asleep to that all the time. I was going to say, yeah, that's a, that's a good sleeping record. I haven't tried that, but <laughs> maybe I should. Um so I mentioned it, it, we mentioned in your intro that you have been uh, composing ambient electronic music of your own. Yes. Um, these past few years, I would imagine you know is is one of your big influences. How how did you how did you get into it or what? Uh, well, actually, I I wanted to start making uh, ambient music because I wanted music to fall asleep to. This is okay. a actually the impetus for it is that I was like, you know what, I have okay. 
this was um, pre-streaming, really. I mean, I think like maybe RDO was around, but we're talking oh. like 2010. Yeah, so pre-Spotify. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had just bought this like nice digital recorder and a couple of nice microphones, and I have all this these instruments in my house that I never play. And I'm like, I want to do something with this. And I wanted music to fall asleep to, but all I had were CDs, and I was kind of bored of all the CDs that I had because I'd already fallen asleep to them countless times. So I was like, I'm going to create something that works as sleep music. And originally my idea was to do an hour long piece was to just do like an hour of drones or, you know, something soothing for an hour. Um, my recorder, uh, once I started piling up all of these like tracks that were at like high resolution audio tracks on top of one another, my recorder started to max out. So I was really only able to do like 28 minutes Okay. But I did and yeah. I put it out and I sent it to all my friends and they all responded to it. And so that was sort of the birth of the project. I just wanted to make one song. Um, and now you've made several. Yeah. I think, God, what do I have? Seven albums, eight albums? I can't even remember. I don't know. I It seems like there were that <laughs> at least that many on your band camp. <laughs> yeah. I, it just keeps going. Yeah. It just keeps going. And, and you know, I'll put it down for a couple of months and then I'll have an idea of something that I want to do and I'll just like one day wake up with the idea in my head, go over into the other room and start recording it. And then, okay, now I've started. Now I have to finish it. Yeah. Yeah. And the last album that you made was just earlier this year, this year being 2022. Yeah. Um, uh, with your partner, it's called music for meditation. That's the one that I listened to. Yeah. Um, I, I played it when I was working, it's sort of, I guess, a white noise and yeah. helps you focus more. It helped me focus more. Well, that's great. I'm glad you liked it. I did. I'm glad you yeah. were able to put it to its intended use. Yeah. That's actually the one that has the one track on there that was directly inspired by Brian Eno. Which one? Um, the the music for meditations, uh, I think, closes with a piano, an, an electric piano piece, Rhodes piano, where it's just looping different piano phrases over and over again and they're all different lengths so they never quite match up and they're all looping on top of each other that was directly ripped off the idea for that i directly ripped off the idea for that from music for airports oh okay yeah. that might be why i like it yeah i ain't no robert wyatt uh, all right, so we are going to ease right into Michael's selection number two. And much like selection number one, this was composed as a vehicle for deep relaxation. This is a song called uh, Dream 11 Whisper Music by composer Max Richter. Um, it is but a small sliver in an eight-hour, 200-movement <laughs> <laughs> performance called Sleep. Mm -hmm. uh, this is really kind of amazing. I'm going to let you talk about it. Sure. Um, this came out, I think, 2015 on Deutsche Grammophon, and it is like, it's the godhead for sleep music. I mean, the album is called Sleep. Um, he composed these themes that are kind of like lullabies, but also are kind of melancholy. They sort of have like that, that same twinge of, you know, sadness to them. Um, and he strung together 
all of these melodies into this long piece that's about eight, eight and a half hours long. Mm-hmm. And it has um, repeating themes. So I would, I think there are like four themes that repeat through it. And each one, you know, it could be 20 minutes or it can be 40 minutes or it can be five minutes. Um, the piece that I, that I picked is kind of, I think, representative of the, the main theme of sleep, that sort of pulsing piano with like the long drawn out strings on top of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fascinating thing about the album, I mean, it's, it's beautiful. I love it. Yeah. When it came out, we listened to it every single night. Oh, for, wow. Yeah. For months. Yeah, I mean, I think it's also amazing that he did live performances yeah. of this album. Uh, the, I, I, after I was, as I was doing research for this episode, I uh, discovered that there was a documentary about this, which I'm sure you know I've seen. I haven't seen you it. You haven't seen it? Okay. I have not seen it yet. Um, it's good. Um, it's not eight hours long. <laughs> Mercifully, it's not eight hours long. But, um, but uh, yeah, so it... Uh, it's filming the actual performance that he did in LA. He he's done it in other cities as well, mm-hmm. um, but this one was in LA. And they actually have cots set up <laughs> for people, um, and so obviously attendance is rather limited. I think only 550 people or something like that yeah. could go. But like um, they're showing all these people in their cots um, with their blankets and pillows and just just tucking in as as this eight-hour all-night open-air concert plays. Yeah, it starts at like 10, right? 10 at night, I, goes until yeah, like 6.30 in the morning. I, yeah, I don't know exactly what time, but, yeah. you know, they showed, you know, the, uh, you know, nighttime when the performance started and then the morning mm. um, when uh, people were starting to get up. Um, and I... That's just crazy. It's so crazy that it's <laughs> that it's genius kind of thing. And I, it really is. I, you know, I I wonder how much tickets cost. Um, <laughs> they were pretty expensive. I remember looking at the one in LA. I, I, you know, I don't think he's done it. He only did it a handful of times, which makes total sense because yeah. the the amount of prep. I think what I learned in the documentary was that it, it takes like two years to plan one show. Oh yeah, I bet. And just the idea of performing as a musician, I'm not a musician, but ha- to have to do that on stage for eight hours, even with breaks, which they did have, yeah, is the most exhausting thing that I've ever heard of. So it's like the antithesis of sleep to help people sleep. Yeah. And and Max Richter, you know, being like not only the composer and musical director, he's also his primary instrument is the keyboard. So he's playing piano and he's playing synthesizer and organ during the show. And it's his instrument is, I think, always in each movement. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the violin player can go check out for half an hour, mm-hmm. but he's still on stage. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah, that's good. That sounds grueling to me. <laughs> well, the thing that I wanted to make sure to mention about the album is that um, they consulted with sleep researchers when mixing it and when planning it and also at the mixing stage, because when you listen to it, you'll notice that at the very beginning, it sounds really like dark, like the the production on it sounds really dark. Um, And that's on purpose. Like they've, they've filtered out a lot of the high frequencies and like the the high resonance of the instruments Mm -hmm. so that it's, uh, there aren't as many high frequencies because high frequencies will wake you up right? if you're trying to sleep. And so there's more high frequencies at the end of the concert when yeah. people are starting to roust out of sleep. Yeah. The yeah. last track, like the last 10 minutes is a soprano hitting a high note mm-hmm. 
over and over again, you know, every 15 seconds or so. Yeah. And then the other instruments start to harmonize with that. And it just is like this pulse of like high frequencies of human voice and piano and strings bringing you awake. So like when I learned that about it, I was like, okay, that's dope. Yeah. Yeah. That's so awesome. What do you, what do you think, how do you think that this particular album is operating on your subconscious? Like, what do you, what do you remember about how you felt when you've slept to this album? I remember waking up a couple of times and hearing what was going on in the, in the music and thinking like, whoa, that's really bizarre. You know, because there are some tracks that are just like pulsing drones. There's some tracks that are just low frequency hum with like um, a very, very faint voice on top of it. Not speaking voice, but like a singing, a wordless singing voice. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know that it's doing something, but for some reason, you know, I would occasionally just like wake up and I would wake up at these points and hear what was going on. And be kind of confused for like the first five or six seconds until yeah. I remembered like, oh, yeah, we're listening to that Max Richter thing. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I can say that the times that I've listened to it, the ending does wake me up. It serves like an alarm. Something So you about play it. it like it hits right at the moment when you're supposed to wake up. Because yeah. I guess if it's eight hours, then you would start it at 10. Yeah, I would have to start at 10 and then you'd yeah. be waking up around 630. Yeah. 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 And it's like. It really, it's like, oh, I'm awake. There's that voice. Yeah. You know? Amazing. So I can say I've heard the first 10 minutes and the last 10 minutes way more than I've heard the middle. I was, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, like, how much of the, the bulk of the album do you actually know? Because I, I would think if it were effective, I would know the first, like, 30 minutes maybe and maybe the last 15. Right. And it sounds like that's that's about what, what well, it's done to you. Well, Pam, I can tell you, I have it on my phone. And it's one of like three albums that I have on my phone. So I always have it with me. I listen to it on planes. Uh, I listen to it sometimes when I'm walking around like a really crowded situation. Like when I go to an A's game or whatever, I'll listen to it as I'm walking to my seat. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it has it has many, many uses. Uh, okay. So on to Michael's third song, uh, if you can call it a song. Uh, in any case, this is called Bamboo Rainsticks. So, Michael, tell us about the artist and what we're actually listening to here. Uh, this is Billy Martin, percussionist. He is the Martin of Medeski Martin and Wood, which is a an avant-garde jazz trio, funky, dancey, Sun Ra meets Sanford and Son. Sanford and Sun Ra. That's what they call it. <laughs> really? um, they're they're out there, and uh, I love them. They're one of my favorite bands. I only um, know them by reputation, but I've never actually heard any of their music. Oh, I'll make you a mix. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so Billy is the drummer, uh, and he's also, you know, just a very visually and musically and philosophically philosophically creative person. Um, he's a painter, visual artist. Uh, he does solo percussion 
with like bamboo and with homemade instruments. Uh, bamboo is a big part of his aesthetic. He paints with bamboo. Um, you know, he, like I said, he, he builds, you know, sound machines out of it. So this is a release that he put out. It's just him playing bamboo rain sticks into a microphone for an hour. So he's actually playing it for a whole hour. It's not looped. Right. Whoa. Okay. I think it's multi-tracked. I guess, yeah. But uh, it is. It's just, it's an hour-long performance. Okay. Um, and it's on his personal record label, Amulet Records. And this is one of the OGs for me. I bought this on CD when it came out, I don't know, 15 years ago, something like that. And just listened to it every single night. It was it was my soundtrack for going to sleep. It kind of functions as white noise. Yeah, I was gonna ask if it's like, is it like all frequencies at once? Yeah, it see so it's tricky because it, there are a lot of high frequencies in it, so mm-hmm. you have to turn it down really low. Yeah, but it does sound like rain. You know, it sounds like rain, but there's not actually water. Is that right? Right. That's crazy. How? I don't right. I don't understand how it's making a watery now noise. Well, do you know you know how a rain stick is uh have you seen a rain stick? I, I no, I have never actually seen a rain stick. What does it look like? So it's a big piece of bamboo. It's like a bamboo pipe. You know, they're usually about three or four inches wide. So and I don't know, four feet long, three feet long. Uh they're closed at both ends. And there are um, for lack of a better term, sort of nails driven through it. So there are little pieces of metal or wood inside the bamboo. And then uh, there is some sort of seed is put inside of it or like a ball bearing. I've seen them made with ball bearings. But um, you, put the, you put the seeds inside the, the stick and then you seal it at both ends. And then as you tip it, it creates the sound that sounds like rushing water. Okay. So somebody who's playing a rain stick, they're like holding onto it and they're tipping it one end down and then slowly tipping the other end down and then one end down and then the other end down like that, like in a, in a wavy slow motion. And it just creates this constant sound of what sounds like water falling. Yeah. Yeah. So all you're hearing is just like the seeds bouncing around inside the bamboo tube. Okay. Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, you know, he also has, this isn't his only kind of ambient piece of of music. He has one about um, uh, the Montauk Surf, right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, one called Tea House Rain. Are, are these also things that you listen to? Yeah. Tea House Rain is a field recording. He has a tea house on his property in mm-hmm. New Jersey that he built. And it's like in a little sort of bamboo cove. That's where he gets his bamboo. Uh, and he did a uh, an ambient recording there, just like a field recording, just set up microphones as it was raining and you get to hear the sound of rain like he would hear it sitting there in his tea house. Uh, listen to that a few times, yes, yeah. going to sleep. But the Bamboo Rain Sticks thing, you know, had it on CD and we had a CD changer and I remember that was just always CD number five in the five oh. disc changer. It was just in that slot. You just never, you never took it out? No. Yeah. Because even if I'm not listening to it every night, it's always available to listen to, you know? Um, and I actually got, I, I asked him once about it. Uh, I said, you know, have you ever thought about it as like a piece of music for sleeping? Because that's what I use it for. And he said that, uh, somebody in his family, maybe it was his son also listens to it every night. 
when he falls asleep. It seems obvious to me. It's just something about nature sounds, something primal and instinctive about being against natural sounds like wind and water. I would think that would make you naturally want to sleep. Yeah. You know, and there are a lot of like nature sounds on Spotify and Apple Music yeah. and YouTube or whatever, but they're just something about them. It doesn't really work for me. Uh, I think as sleep music, you mean? Yeah, as mm-hmm. as sleep music. Um, you know, just like the tropical rainfall yeah. sound. You don't um, like that? I, I mean, like that. I do, but it's difficult for me to fall asleep to it. Huh. I think they try to make it too active, like that. You know, there's like thunder, and then there's like birds, and you know, all different other things going on. Yeah. I think that it has to be a lot simpler than that. Now, granted, if I was in a in like a a, a an open air room in Thailand in the middle of the jungle and it was raining, then yes, I'd be able to fall asleep right away. Yeah. But listening to a recording of that is not the same for me. Yeah. And I think the thing about the bamboo rain sticks performance is that it is a performance that maybe has something to do with it as to why why it affects me. I don't really know. Huh. Well, so, okay, so your first three selections here were all created kind of with the intention of inducing sleep and or deep relaxation anyway. Yes. Uh, Your next couple of songs, not necessarily so, uh, though they are very chill. Um, Let's cue up a little bit of selection number four. So from 2016, this is a Portland, Oregon-based solo guitarist named Marissa Anderson, and the song is called Into the Light. Uh, So this one is very um, purposefully cinematic, right? Yeah. It it sounds like it comes from a a dreamy Western. What what do you think this song is doing to your resting mind? It's exactly what you said. Exactly what you said. Like, I shut my eyes and listened to this song. And I see like the Texas Hill Country at dawn, maybe, you know, with like mist and great light. So this is what I was going to, I I don't know if this is where you were going to go with this one, but I don't, are you a lucid dreamer? And do you, does, is this the kind of music that you would think that you would hope to shape your dream narratives or something? I'm not a lucid dreamer. Yeah. I want it to be. I think it's BS. <laughs> I don't know anyone who's been able to. Who can control their dreams? I don't know. I I, I think it's BS. Also, <laughs> I think that people are dreaming when they think they're controlling their dreams, and they're not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I they wake up and they feel like they've been in control, but really it was just their subconscious mind tricking them. Yeah, I think I've I I may have had some moments where I've realized that oh, I'm having a dream. But the minute I have that realization, I start to wake up. Uh, so, um, but anyway, yeah. I mean, I guess I was I was sort of thinking that maybe this is um, not just an album to help you get to sleep, but perhaps a, a dream stimulator. Is there any music that does that for you, do you think? Or does this album do that for you? Um, honestly, the, the stuff that is more uh, stimulating for me as far as like imagery, visual imagery goes when I listen to it is electronic music. Uh, so, you know, the stuff like the stuff that I make, uh, 
mm-hmm. uh, or like that Brian Eno project, the, ref- the reflection. Yeah. Those are things that to me are, are more sort of visually stimulating. Um, this particular piece, I just really like it because it's it's chill. Mm-hmm. And it kind of makes me think about just being chill. Um, it has kind of a country vibe. So, Very much, yeah. Yeah, it's like it's like grounding and kind of earthy and rootsy, you know, in in a way that I think is uh, unique. Um, this actually was recommended to me by Spotify. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's how I found – I did not know about Marissa Anderson until – I'd never heard of her before, but then, yeah, yeah. she's – I mean, she's been on Tiny Desk, so – Yeah, she's – yeah. She's yeah. apparently very well-known. She's a lot of, like, Thrill Jockey Records or something. You know, yeah, she's, yeah. Uh, or maybe something else now, but I think this record's on Thrill Jockey. But, uh, yeah, I was listening to, like, a lot of John Fahey and um, – Oh, so was, you were training the algorithm to feed you stuff like this. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, like, Marissa Nadler mm-hmm. and – um Grouper, Liz Grouper. I'm not familiar. Yeah, no. it's you know it's similar kind of stuff. It's yeah. it's dark and it's midnight time listening, yeah. and it fed me this song. Yeah. So this song was my first introduction to to Marissa Anderson, and I've since become a huge fan. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this song in particular, and the album that it's on, um, are things that I listen to a lot when I'm getting ready to go to sleep, um, maybe not falling asleep too because it's a little active. Yeah. There's a little bit going on. And some of the songs on the album, if you listen to the whole album, are, are more active. This particular song, though, it just kind of puts you in that mood. Yeah. It is a mood setter for sure. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, well, for reasons I can't fully explain, I wanted to save this next song for last, um, just because I felt like it's a lovely closer. Uh, So here is Michael's fifth selection, and it's from jazz pianist Thelonious Monk. song is uh, Ruby My Dear, a song he first wrote and recorded, I believe, in the late 1940s, uh, though this version he recorded in 1959. And hey, we have a Bay Area connection with this piece. It's from, uh, what is the album? The album is Thelonious Alone in San Francisco. That's right. Um, not This is not a song I would guess for your, it's calming, but yeah. I would never guess that this would be on your sleep playlist. Oh yeah. This is another one of those uh, CD era jams. Oh, okay. <laughs> You know, of all the Monk, um, he, he cut a, a handful of albums that are just him playing solo, right? There's like Solo Monk and then a couple of Monk Alone. Monk Alone in San Francisco is one of those things that I bought, um, I think used at, a, at like a used CD store maybe 30 years ago. And it's just always had that role for me. It's always just been like the thing I put on when I go to sleep. Um, so I associate it with sleep. Okay. Uh, you have to turn it down really low. Yeah. It's very jaunty, kind of aggressively playful. I, so that's why I'm like, oh, can you really sleep through it? I, I mean, it just it, it commands your attention. It does. Yeah. So that's the thing. Like listening to it in headphones, it's really dynamic. And there's mm-hmm. a lot going on and it's, it's very energizing. But you put Monk solo piano on a stereo in a room very quietly and it takes on an entirely different character. 
Yeah. It's still him. If you know your monk, you can still be like, oh, that's monk. But it's not this like engaging intellectual, you know, brainy monk music coming at you. Yeah. It's just something that's beautiful and kind of light and kind of happy. It is. Do you have a lot of jazz in your sleep music library, would you say? Yeah, but so nothing with drums. Okay. Yeah. That's that's the hard part. Yeah. Right? Nothing with drums. There's like there's some Mark Rebo albums, the guitar player Mark Rebo, uh, that I really like that, you know, I listen to uh when I'm falling asleep. Um the monk solo stuff, mm-hmm. of course. Um some other piano music occasionally. Um there was a while when I was falling asleep to Black Saint and the Sinner Lady, the Charles Mingus album. Uh, again, you know, you got to turn it down real low <laughs> for yeah. that one. But yeah. um, I think just about anything, anything that's that is on the lyrical end of jazz, you know, um, anything that's like if your favorite jazz musician has a compilation that's ballads. Yeah. Like Coltrane ballads or Dexter Gordon ballads. Those are going to be things that are usually going to be easier to fall asleep to, obviously. And then you find one that works for you. Yeah. I'm already thinking in a sent- sentimental mood. It's like a, a perfect sleeping song. Oh, yeah. Sure. The Duke playing it by himself. Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It would have to be. Yeah. Yeah. It would have to be, you know, and there are some, um, there are some people who like vocalists and they like falling asleep to vocalists. And I know that there's a lot of, there's like the whole genre of, you know, jazz vocalists doing like very mellow albums. Um, but this Monk album and this song in particular, I think really, uh, they, it works as, uh, a tint on your view of the of the room. This was an awesome conversation. I you introduced me to so much music that I think I will enjoy in both a conscious and unconscious state. <laughs> um so before I let you go, as of this recording we are rounding the corner in 2023 uh yeah. into 2023. Uh so what is on the horizon in the new year? Any cool musical projects coming up? Any consumer tech developments we should look forward to? Oh gosh. Um I feel like the trend in consumer tech right now is like, don't buy it. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody's talking about the metaverse and you need a fancy, expensive VR headset to get into the metaverse and like, just don't, don't do it yet. Wait. Same thing, like new phones coming out. I mean, I've always been a late adopter of everything. So this is, yeah. Me too. Yeah. I mean, part of what you too. Yeah. Part of it is because like I'm surrounded by all this stuff for work, you know, like all the latest phones. You get to test it out early. Yeah. Yeah. And then when I finally buy something, it's like that thing that I tried a couple years ago that I now realize was the best thing of all the things that I tried. So then Mm. I'll buy that pair of headphones or pair of shoes or whatever. Um, But I think, you know, with consumer tech, it's, they're always throwing new things at you. They want you to upgrade every year. They want you to upgrade every two years, every yeah. year, every two years, and you don't need to anymore. Yep. It used to be that you had to, but now like batteries are getting better. The phones are getting like incremental. The increments that they're improving every time a new one comes out are getting smaller and smaller. So yeah, that's I think that's the vibe right now, and I I think that vibe is going to carry over into next year, especially if the economy stays in the shitter the way it is. Yeah. Um. Oh, was the other thing? Oh, new musical projects. Yeah, what's going on? Well, my my band that's not the cover band, Twin Dimensions. Yeah, uh, we're trying to put a record out. We're about halfway through recording it, I would say. Maybe that's being optimistic, but 
we're getting closer to being done with it. I think we'll be done with it in the new year. Gotta have hope. And uh, I'm going to do a new Solar Keys album. Amazing. Yeah. A lot to look forward to. Yeah. Well, thank you, Michael. Uh, this was truly a pleasure. Uh, so we discussed a few of the songs that Michael listens to at bedtime, but there are many, many others. And we have a playlist we're going to share with listeners uh, that's chock full of Michael's sleepy time selections, uh, including the five songs we talked about in this episode. That's going to do it for this episode of Select Five. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you did... You can thank the makers of this podcast, my producing duo, Kate Sullivan and Brian Douglas, and myself, the host, Pam Torno. Sleep well, my friends. We'll catch you later. <laughs>